Coming up on Art Palace. To have art in this unexpected place, yeah. right? So in the bathroom stalls and on the mirror. And then we did a whole merchandise line where there was screen printed um, beautiful toilet paper <laughs> and um, uh, I think air fresheners and oh, all of that was sold in the gift shops. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Colleen Houston from Artworks. So I'm here with Colleen Houston. I learned not to say Houston. <laughs> Oh, awesome. It's like the street in New York. It's Houston. Totally. Because if you go into New York and call that Houston Street, everyone's going to like throw a major shade at you. And that's what I would do if you <laughs> call me Colleen Houston. You would just give me like <laughs> real side eye. Yes. <laughs> like, um, uh, from Artworks. I don't know. I, this, I feel like every episode I say something to this effect where I'm like, what's your actual title? Because I don't know anyone's real titles. I never bother to, you know, do my homework. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, do they, what do they call you over there? Um, these days. Yeah. Oh, is it, um, I'm sure it's changed. Yeah. No, I'm the vice president of programming okay. and operations. Okay. Um, and I've been with Artworks for a long time. But yeah, I've, I've always been involved in the programming. Okay. So you're not going to t share how long you've been there? I'm just... happy to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so I, um, we actually just celebrated our 21st anniversary, mm -hmm. and I go back 20 years. Oh, wow. You go back to when I was an apprentice, when I was 18. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I worked under a tent in the old SCPA soccer field, um, and that was before. So you, I don't know if you remember, but the tents moved up to Eden Park. I do a actually. Stones throw away yeah, from I, the museum. I actually do remember seeing them all set up down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I've been involved, you know, seasonally okay. for twenty years, and then I've been involved. Um, about to celebrate my fourteenth anniversary, working full time in the office. Before you go too far, I kind of feel like we should give like the basic rundown of what is artworks. I feel like most people probably listening know that, but just just in case. Just yeah, the, um, the big the big picture. Absolutely. So at Artworks, our mission is to transform individuals and places through investments in creativity. Um, <clears throat> we do that in lots of ways, but at our core, since the beginning, we have been doing workforce development, uh, employment in the arts for youth, and so youth are hired to work as apprentices with professional artists, art educators, um, and work on projects that are really transformative. Um, and we've evolved and grown over the years, so we do a lot more than that. We, we, we do that mm -hmm. to, to this day. Um, but the scale of the projects have grown, um, so, so a lot of people now know us for murals mm -hmm. um, because they're so visible and impactful. And um, what maybe a lot of people don't know is that youth apprentices help paint every single one of the murals mm -hmm. in, in our city, in our community. Um, so we have over 200 murals, if you count interior and exterior murals, and um, um, many other public art installations as well. 
We um, also support creative entrepreneurs who are starting or growing a business, and we've been doing that um, in earnest for the last five years. But it's funny, I mean, in, since the very beginning of time at Artworks, um, artists were making works for sale and really mm -hmm. learning about retail and, and making a living um, with their work. And so that's really been the trajectory. Yeah, I mean, immediately when you say artworks, I think most people jump to murals. But when when artworks started 20 years ago, what were the first projects that they were doing? It's a great question. Um, in the early days, um, it was a lot of... Um, Actually, partnerships with the Cincinnati Art Museum or mm -hmm. the Taft Museum of Art or the yeah. CAC um, really helped to inform what the early projects were. So there may have been a, a, a book binding project and then right. all of the books were sold in the retail tent. Mm -hmm. um, the first project I worked on was a furniture painting project um, and all the furniture was sold in the retail tent. Okay. We did have some... Um, uh, early public art installations and commissions. So I worked on a mural uh, in the West End Sprayground. Okay. <laughs> and that was in 97. And okay. um, of course, Mirror Lake was one of right, the largest right. public art installations yeah. in partnership with the Waterworks Department. Okay. Yeah, I was just trying to remember if. That in my mind, it's always been murals. It's always yeah. been murals, but I couldn't remember if like there was a time before murals. Oh yeah, there's a great installation right here that was a partnership with the Cincinnati Art Museum at, the, at your bus shelter. Yeah, I was just about to say the yeah. bus shelter. Yeah, and so that was a two-year project. Um, mm -hmm. One year was the mosaic, which right. is the floor of the bus shelter, and then the second year were um, really the the bench seating and the structural supports for the shelter. So it's it's the most artistic bus shelter in the city of Cincinnati. Yeah. So what's what are some of your favorite, I was going to say from this past year, but I don't know, we can just open it up. Like if you want to say from the, the new crop of projects yeah. or, or I don't know, if you want to go back further, that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, always fun to go down history lane. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I was thinking about partnerships with the art museum just walking in here today. Yeah. Um, so I really love a partnership that we did and it was when the Cincinnati Art um, the sorry, the Cincinnati Wing first yeah. opened in the Cincinnati Art Museum, and we did a project called Freedom Works. Haha, <laughs> 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 because everything we named for a while was like Blank you know, works. yes, Voice Works. <laughs> you right. did it if it was a performance project, but um, no, it was um, a really amazing project. Um, really celebrating the grand opening of um, the Freedom Center and doing a project around freedom with youth, we worked with um, local artist Tom Shaw, mm -hmm. and then we invited in Tim Rollins, um, who's very well known for his work with Kids of Survival mm -hmm. out of New York, and um, youth worked on um, woodblock prints and large mixed media works, and they filled um, the whole Sarah Vance, um, Michelle Waddell yeah, yeah. gallery with their work. Uh, it was an absolutely gorgeous exhibit. The work was acquired and part of the permanent collection of the oh, Cincinnati wow. Art Museum. There was an amazing opening where um, the Southern Baptist Choir was singing in the Great Hall. I mean, it, it just, I think for everyone who participated, it was just one of those um, incredible moments, uh, you know, of a career at such a yeah. young age. I mean, like to already have an exhibit in, yeah. in the Cincinnati Art Museum. It was a huge honor. <laughs> um, 
So I, I love that project. We did another, okay, I'll just talk about another fun project, <laughs> um, which was in the bathrooms of the Cincinnati Art Museum. Oh, I totally remember this. Called Nature Calls. Yeah, because um, uh, one of my friends, uh, Nathan Terstieg, I yes. think, was working on this project. Yes. So I remember He was the lead artist. Yes, I yes. think it was his brilliant idea um, to... Uh, transform the two bathrooms right off the main hall and yeah. have art in this unexpected place, yeah. right? So in the bathroom stalls and on the mirror. And then we did a whole merchandise line where there was screen printed um, beautiful toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I think air fresheners and oh, all of that was sold in the gift shop. So yeah. that was a super fun project. Yeah, that was great. I for I'd forgotten about this. I love that you're basically telling me all about stuff that's happened here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't remember. I know. Well, I, do, I remember the bathroom one, but I, I wasn't here for the other one at the time. But And our most recent partnership with Tony Lensman mm -hmm. is still here. Yes. So that's a really wonderful installation. Yeah. Um, the neon campground piece that greets you as you drive in. I mean, best appreciated um, at night. At night so. And luckily we actually have evening hours now. And yeah. You can come look at it because yeah. for a while, Right when it opened, we really didn't, you yeah. know, other than Art After Dark, there were a few times when it was, you know, dark enough to actually see it fully lit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is a great time of year to also view it from a distance. Yeah, because you know? the trees are, are leafless. Leafless, yeah. <laughs> you can see it pretty well, especially from, even from 70, uh, right? 71, yeah. I can't, I can't keep my interstate straight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can, even when you're driving on the highway or on uh, Gilbert, you can look up and see it pretty clearly now. It's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I remember that piece, we didn't want to actually call it a mural, or Tony didn't want to call it a mural. So I guess that's another one that would fall into that just general public art kind of piece. But yeah. I mean, is that something, you know, when so an artist is excited to do something with a really unconventional material, do you kind of like, oh, or are you excited for something different? Oh, or? I think we're thrilled. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just to break the boundaries of, yeah. of what, um, yeah, whether it's a mural, it's a, if it's a wall mounted work, um, mm -hmm. or if it's, um, you know, yeah, just a chance to do something new and unexpected. I, I, um, we talk about all the time our city is a gallery, so really yeah. interested and open to embracing new styles and, um, Actually, I mean, so just in terms of what's coming up next, Artworks is going to be a partner on a really exciting art uh, light-based festival called oh, Blink, cool. which will be oh, happening right. in the fall, yeah, 2017. Yeah. And um, uh, so I think we're just so thrilled that there's an opportunity for artists to work in a new medium mm -hmm. and, um, you know, to explore light-based sculptures or more performance or projection, um, yeah. more neon installations in tandem with painted traditional murals yeah. and really, um, yeah. Cause are some of the things in blink going to work, uh, projected on top of other murals? Yes. Okay. That is definitely one of the components of yeah. the festival. I think um, I, I saw some like images of testing out some stuff yeah. online. So that's what yeah. I was thinking. I remember seeing stuff with like the on top of like the Kim Krause mural yeah. downtown. So I mean, Brave Berlin, um, who was really the kind of the creative genius behind Luminosity mm -hmm. and animated music hall. Um, I think that's a real passion place um, yeah. to to animate something and bring it to life, whether it's the architecture or the existing work of art. Well, it's such a it's a, such a cool idea too because it seemed like Luminosity was so popular, but it was like 
getting too big for its britches, so to speak. It seemed like there was no way to kind of contain this like crowd for it and they just kept you know like uh, yeah. figuring out ways but not it was like an impossible situation where like nothing made anyone happy in a way like okay well we'll give make ticketed no but it's free well you know um and then the people start paying for the tickets and you know um it's so it's an interesting way to break it up all around the city so to make it more accessible right um, and so for it, a larger audience and, and hopefully attract visitors to our city as well. Yeah, well, and I think it's also cool because it, it gets people um, walking around a city, too. Yeah. And that's a great thing instead of just kind of coming downtown, going to one event in that one particular place where that's kind of maybe within their comfort zone and then getting in their car and driving back home. Um, they're kind of having to explore downtown. I think that's really cool to, to get people moving around that way. Is there anything else you wanted to, to let me know about Artworks or any exciting news uh, for, I know, 21 years? Yeah, so. yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so I think Artworks, you know, has been really committed to transforming our community through workforce development and uh, economic impact and, and, and really helping to build civic pride. And we continue to think about ways that we can amplify our impact Mm -hmm. um, in the coming years, and we um, will be looking at more strategic investments in neighborhoods, in places year over year, as well as you know investing in um, longer term employment potentially, more than just a summer or a season. Um, so we're really excited about all of that. And additionally, you know we're thinking around um, our expertise to raise awareness around issues. Yeah. Um, so just for example, this past year, um, we were approached by um, a partner organization, um, Christchurch Cathedral, to do a project to raise awareness around gun violence mm -hmm. in our community. And um, it was really powerful. We were able to engage um, New York-based um, artists, Icy and Sot, um, they're actually originally from um, Iran, I believe, and um, they had a really powerful voice and something mm -hmm. to say around this issue. And um, there was a whole campaign with yard signs that went around it and a press conference. And I mean, so we were just one partner mm -hmm. among many that contributed to um, this project. But I think that art has, um, e you know, a real powerful ability to potentially bring around um, social change, at least dialogue, um, to help um, evoke empathy. And it's, it's something that Artworks will continue to work with partners. So just for example, in 2017, we have partners and we will be um, doing projects around homelessness mm -hmm. in Cincinnati and also a social intervention for teens around mental health and stigma cool. around mental health. Wow, that's great. When you said something about just the idea of, of civic pride, and I was, it just made me think of the way that a lot of the murals have just affected the way I talk about the city in just really practical terms. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about how 
I, even like I feel like directions are are linked to artworks murals in some ways in my mind that I'd be like, oh, do you know where the big Jim Tarbell is? Okay, you're gonna go by that. You're gonna go by. Uh, do you know where all the fruits and vegetables are? Okay, yeah. like it's kind of interesting to think about how those things become sort of landmarks Absolutely. in the city and a way of kind of identifying neighborhoods as yeah. well. Like sometimes you don't. I mean, if you're not familiar with every little neighborhood and then somebody goes, oh, it's the one that has this. And you go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting the way that those do lock into a city's identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the way those murals that are older in the city, uh, you guys did the, you just... Our, the Richard Haas mural that we restored? Restored, yes. yes. The, that You know, like that is just from such a young age, like I connected that with being like going to Cincinnati and going downtown and going to like, cause usually we would drive past it on our way to like music hall for field mm-hmm. trips and stuff. So, you know, just seeing murals, it just, you know, they really do impact your, the way you feel about the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that one, it was always such like a magical thing. Yeah. Just because it's like this trompe l'oeil trick of like, oh, there's this opulent palace basically in yeah. front of me. It was amazing to work with Richard Haas. I mean, that was, um, honestly, that mural really started our whole mural program, really? if I'm being honest. Um, the mayor, Mayor Mallory at the time, you know, referred to that because that was one of Cincinnati's sole murals yeah. in 2006 and, and said, you know, we need more of these around our city in every neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he had been to Philadelphia and saw yeah. the 3000 murals. Yes, they plus. have so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they do an incredible job of, um, connecting to their Department of Tourism and, mm-hmm. and really helping to tell the story of the city through mural tours mm-hmm. um, and, and books and merchandise. Yeah. And, um, but we, um, you know, we owe a lot to really the Kroger Company who commissioned Richard Haas 30 years ago, 31 years ago, and that mural and that, um, it was such an honor to be able to help restore it and, and to meet Richard and he was great to work with the youth. I remember him saying, Our, you know, cities need monuments. Yeah. And he thought about his work as an, a monument, yeah. you know, working within the architecture and building this, you're right, this trompe l'oeil faux sculpture of Cincinnati. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter that it's not actually real. It's not like, a real sculpture. Right, yeah, yeah. like it, it functions in the same way. Right. Um, like it has the same feelings of, and yeah, it totally works that way. So are there any, you know, some of the murals are very obvious. Are there any that people kind of miss or don't even realize are an artworks project oh, or things probably. that like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you, I guess that's, you probably don't know if people don't no, know. Probably. Um, okay. So one of my favorite murals is in Covington, Kentucky on the side of the John R. Green building, which is a, for anybody who's an art teacher out there, um, knows it's a... This is one of my favorites too. (laughs) I'm so excited you said this because I was like, and I love Christian. Yes, yeah. So um, it's in Mainstrasse and it's on, um, John R. Green is a school supply um, uh, entity. Teacher. Teacher supply. Yeah, I mean, it's, they have everything. Yeah. Um, So... My mom was a teacher, so I went there all all the time time. as a kid, you know, so it has that like... Yeah. It has many layers for me of like just loving that place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was the first mural we ever did in northern Kentucky. And um, it was really important to, to us to work with um, a Covington artist. Yeah. And so we were thrilled um, when Christian Schmidt accepted um, uh, 
the opportunity and it was his first mural so it was a really ambitious piece if you're familiar with his work it's yeah super labor intensive um i mean he paints and cuts out of paper and now he makes the most amazing intricate paper sculptures you've ever seen um but at the time i think he constructed the whole mural out of this like paper maquette you know like he oh, wow. constructed it and it is you know, and also I'm a mother, but even more than that, I mean, I think I love anything that remotely evokes story, you yeah. know, and it's, it's like pages of a book and it, as you follow the panel, you read it from left to right and the story changes and new characters enter mm -hmm. and it's so smart. I mean, there's a new color that's added for each panel. It's very subtle. And yeah. so when you ask about a mural that would be easy to potentially miss, it's all sepia tone with the exception of one new color is introduced for each panel mm -hmm. um and it it's something special i if you haven't seen it i would recommend seeing it in detail you know spending some time with yeah. it and read it from left to right <laughs> well in that i mean when i first saw it i was so excited because yeah it was because you were talking about that, that muted palette was so unexpected but it, it i love it because it it does just kind of blend into the building in a way it doesn't sort of it is not demanding attention but then it rewards close looking um and it sort of plays with your expectations of a mural because instead of making everything super giant and easy to see from a distance everything's actually very small and it kind of invites you to get up close in that kind of storybook way that you sort of sit down and read it in yeah. that way so it's not like um it has less of a billboard idea and and yeah it just really is great and because it is low to the ground on the like by the sidewalk you it i mean it works for that setting too it, it i feel like the that street is in my memory at least has a lot of trees and things too mm -hmm. so it it really it, it it actually functions better by being something that is viewed from that close distance and is kind of looked at in that way so absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. i really love that piece and that was was one of my favorites too so i'm, I'm so happy you said that <laughs> i was like i love that one yay <laughs> yeah well i thought we would go look at some artwork now i can't wait so let's go okay So we're here in, at the, uh, in front of the Terrace Cafe looking at a mural, which I picked intentionally because, you know, that's your, your trade. Yeah. <laughs> and I love all, this piece. Yeah. So um, I don't know, maybe it's since this is an audio medium, maybe we could describe it for people in case they haven't seen it. So what, what, how would you describe this piece to somebody who couldn't see it? <clears throat> yeah, and so we should mention the artist, right? Um, oh, if Juan you want, if you want to, <laughs> I was going to get to that, but oh, that's sorry, okay. Did no. I spoil it? <laughs> no, yeah, the big surprise. <laughs> Gasp, it's a Miro. Yeah, yes, you're correct. Um, it is, uh, the artist is Juan Miro. Um, it's, it's um, a beautiful rectangular mural. Um, installed here on the wall opposite the cafe and it um, has really vibrant color lots of yellow red blue green orange um, and white and black and it's all on a, a really beautiful blue background that has a lot of wash I would say a yeah. lot of a lot of um, nuance and 
And when you say rect rectangular, yeah. I feel like maybe you're, if you haven't seen this piece, you might imagine, you know, like a sheet of paper size kind oh, of rectangle, yeah. but it is like, it. it is like so long. It's probably 25 feet long or something. I'm... Yeah, probably. That's a good question. I actually um, don't. I don't think I have a. I don't. By know maybe I, six feet tall. That would be my guess. Yeah, it looks like right about six feet. Because um, I'm imagining if I stood in there, which you cannot do, but if I did, if I was to climb up there, yeah. minutes before security pulled me down and stood up there, I feel like it would definitely be taller than me by you yeah. know a little bit. Yeah. Which was a clue to how tall I am. <laughs> Not six <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's super wide. Yeah. Um, and there is also a mobile hanging in front of it, which just reinforces the, the artist. I uh, imagine this is inspired by... Well, so these two pieces, actually, since you brought it up, they, so the mobile is by Alexander Calder. Yeah. And they used to both be at the same place. So they were both from the um, Terrace Plaza Hotel. Yeah. So they, that's why they're here together now is because they were... I, and I don't know... The, the mural was definitely commissioned for the hotel. Um, I don't know if the mobile was commissioned for the piece, but, or for the hotel... Um, I but could there's probably a great go look that up very fast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they I mean they the Yeah, they obviously work together and and you know, if you know anything about the hotel, which is closed now, um it was this super modernist building. And for the time, you know, it was there really wasn't anything like it in the city and probably really still isn't a lot of things like it. And it's kind of a shame that we can't go in it anymore. Yeah. Um but you know every aspect of the design was very modern, and so they were they wanted to make sure you know all of the drapes and the bedding and stuff when you you everything had this aesthetic, which is really cool yeah. so it this these works fit into the the goals of the hotel at the time, which was to you know show people what was the newest of the new at the time in the forties. And it's pretty incredible to think this was um, Murrow's first visit to the United States. Um, I read that, by yes. the way. Yes. <laughs> Just yeah. a minute ago. I figured. I was like, if you came ready with so that, that, I was no, like, because, man, because you I, just know like, your Murrow history. Like, because nobody. it was a surprise what piece we were seeing today. So I, yeah, I, did I didn't get a chance to, to do any homework. But, um, you know, just peeking at the plate, I mean, it... it that is a phenomenal thing to consider, you know, that this, yeah, was, that Cincinnati really was trailblazing in terms of inviting an international artist. Yeah, I think he had had exhibitions here before, but for, uh, this was the first time he actually visited the United States, which was pretty crazy, I thought. And I always think about, um, you know, one of the things he said he was inspired by when, uh, when looking at this piece is the idea of uh, flying and kites mm. um, but of course I always imagine him like flying to the United States I don't know if this is true or just me like kind of making this up but it just seems like um, an interesting connection that he had never been to the United States before this and just imagining that trip influencing it in some way but yeah he actually I think made um, he made most of the work in 
New York and then brought it here. Mm. So he flew here and, you know, flew to, I think he maybe went to the site first and looked at it and then went back to New York and, and created the mural and then installed it. Um, but, you know, he worked in, um, I read he painted the blue part first that you were talking about, that kind of washy blue. Um, and then he used charcoal to sketch everything out. So then if he didn't like it, he would just kind of brush away the line, that line, and then do something different until he, he was happy with the, the composition. And then he committed that final layer to, to paint. And it's really interesting to kind of, if you're ever here looking at it in person, is to just try to pick a line, um, you know, and, and follow it and see where it takes you. Because sometimes things that look like very contained shapes you realize are made up of um, over, overlapping lines and, and some of the lines are much longer than you would expect them to be. Like mm. this little sort of bumpy ridge down here on the lower right hand side, if you kind of, most of that bottom right side is, you'll see the kind of frilly shape. If you follow that, it kind of starts over here at the circle and then kind of take your finger and, and go all the way with that line. It keeps going much farther than you would imagine and, and goes all the way up. Um, it connects to this other little ball shape mm. on the other side. Um, That's amazing. So it's really interesting the way um, I actually, I, would, I sometimes make coloring sheets for the museum. And so I, I, I went through and I actually retraced all of the drawing oh for this. That's um, <laughs> and so it was really, I learned a lot by doing it because you could, it was like giving me the chance to look at this piece without any of the color and to see that initial composition. And it's really fascinating because certain things that now stand out so much, mm. um, don't stand out as much just in line as line yeah, yeah. You, you you know these certain <laughs> shapes that become really dominant are some of them are seem like just you know oh just little little piddly things yeah. <laughs> um, I think the line work is a really strong element you know where there are shapes that aren't filled in with color you know you just see the black line against the blue and there's just there's some breathing space and it helps you appreciate um, everything else. You know, it's just not every, every component is filled in. It's nice to see the line work. Yeah. Um, I remember, okay, when you first launched the baby tour, the toddler tour. Oh yeah. And we came and saw this piece with my um, daughter and it was so, it was such a great piece. I think it's when you talked about the coloring book, that's what reminded me, but um, a great work of art to share with a younger audience, you know, oh, all yeah. the colors and, you know, just to start to ask, what do you see? I mean, to, to start to see faces or eyeballs or, you know, everyone can see something different. Yeah, it's a common uh, way that our docents like to talk about this piece with younger audiences. It's almost like a, a cloud gazing kind of activity where you try to find all the different things you see. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's it's fun because that's I don't think that's an inappropriate way to look at this work either. Like you know sometimes, um, you know there's this fear that we t maybe talk about a work in a way that's supposedly kid friendly, and you're maybe missing the original point. Um, but I actually don't think that's 
inappropriate here because the the way I think you know Moreau relates to surrealism is very much about that kind of almost a Rorschach test like psychoanalytic approach that you know they were very influenced by Freud and you know I think when a lot of people think they understand what surrealism is um, and a lot of people really like surrealism and I think they like artists like Dali and Magritte because it is this actually very well rendered um, world that they're creating that is kind of unusual and quirky. And so I think when a lot of people look at Moreau, they don't understand necessarily how this is a surrealist work. Because they think of surrealism as like a style of painting and not sort of like a philosophy, which is what it really was. You know, it comes out of writing and philosophy more than it does actually a painting style. Um, anyway, all that to say, that, that, that approach of like, what do you see? Yeah, I think it's, it's actually, perfect. it's actually fits really well with what the artist was interested in. Yeah. So I, I, I really like doing that with, with groups. But when you mentioned the, the baby tours, yeah. yeah, this is a perfect piece. We do, we, we ask people a lot when we start a baby tour if they've been on one before, and if they haven't, we kind of almost always bring them here um, because no matter what the topic is, we really like looking at this piece with babies um, because what you said, you know, babies' eyes are just developing and they're first picking up on really high contrast, yeah. so black and white, um, and then they start to see red, yellow, and green next. So that, and they, they start to see in very basic uh, colors, so this piece is sort of perfect for them. Um, and it's also fun to watch because for anyone, you can't really take it all in at once either. You have to move around as well. You, you, I mean, we're standing back far enough that we can at least just move our heads and see it all, but even still, I don't know. I mean, I have pretty bad peripheral vision, but I can't see it all at once. Can you see the whole thing in one? Like, no matter where I look, something's cut off for me. No, it's true. Yeah. So I think it's unusual as an artwork in that way that you almost never get to see it as one composition. Mm -hmm. For me, that always has this, brings a sense of time to it because you're always experiencing one part and then looking at another part and you kind of move through it in, it, in this very floaty, drifty way. When yeah, you kind just of, given the scale. Yeah, just by, yeah, just by the virtue of like, it's too big. You yeah. can't. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess there could be a room you built that you could see it all at once. Actually, now that I think about it, this piece used to be in gallery 229 upstairs. I remember that. Yeah, and it, we had the kind of curved wall. You probably could get back far enough, actually, because from where it was, you might have been able to see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And they did the curved wall, too, that sort of mimicked, I think, the original installation. Apparently, the bottom of it um, had a lot of stains from the backs of people's heads uh -huh. um, from where it was positioned in the restaurant at the hotel. So people's heads would like sit up, they would just set their head up against it and like the oil from their hair oh, wow. got into the painting. And so the bottom edge is like a little bit darker. And I think they've done some conservation work on yeah. it to help that out actually. But 
Um, you can well, see. and I would imagine cigarette smoke would have discolored. Oh, it. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, this is the '40s. Like yeah. everybody was just smoking. Like, nobody like, cared. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. I'm yeah, I'm sure it, it was not kept in the best condi- conditions in a restaurant like that. You can only imagine. <laughs> so yeah, I, from back here, I can't see that line anymore. So I think it's probably been uh, luckily conserved nicely now that you don't see it as much, but. I just think that's so crazy that, you know, people would just lay their heads against a painting. But I guess it's a good illustration, if nothing else, of like, here's why we don't touch artworks. You're going to get head grease all over it. (laughs) Here's why you don't put your head on artworks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, on that baby tour, I know, like, we had to... That was part of the teaching, is like, don't touch it. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Well, actually, the baby tours are easy because they're babies like yeah they're pretty easy to like hold back if they want to go for something it's yeah. when they get a little older and they can run and that's when it's trickier to kind of like rein them in but yeah we don't actually worry too much about the babies they're easy yeah especially because they're usually being held so we just have to, as long as the parents know you have to stay back at the same distance then everyone's pretty pretty okay yeah well, I'm, I'm just so glad that this mural was preserved and that it moved from the Terrace Hotel here, you know, that Art Museum made the investment in, because it's such a beautiful work and it's great when the art can stand the test of time and endure. Well, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, oh my gosh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. We just reinstalled our collection of art from African countries, so you'll definitely want to come check out that new gallery. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. Special exhibitions on view right now are Van Gogh, Into the Undergrowth, Kentucky Renaissance, the Lexington Camera Club and its community, 1954 to 1974. The Book of Only Enoch and the Jackleg Testament, Part 1, Jack and Eve. Employed, a staff art exhibition. Join us for our ugly Christmas sweater party on December 22nd from 5 to 8 p.m. Eat, drink, be merry, and wear your tackiest Christmas sweaters while being serenaded by the Young Professionals Choral Collective of Cincinnati. This is a free event with food and drink purchases available. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even Snapchat. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalon. Hey, are you listening on an iPhone? Why not subscribe to our podcast on iTunes? And while you're at it, leave us a nice review too. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum. Today's cool person is Colleen Houston. Oh, I said it.